and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Yen Schiffel. And that is Steve Jones. And today on the podcast, Jens, we have a band called the Neverlutionaries. I love that name. Yes. It's uh, more of an artist that goes by the name Neverlutionaries. I don't know how that works because it's plural, but it's one person. But uh, we're talking to Christopher, Christopher Harold Wells who, uh, from the Neverlutionaries. And... Um, and I'll tell you, first off, I sent you a picture of him playing, he played a, a song on the pod, his new single, uh, uh, Ariana. So um, if uh, you're into it, you got to stay tuned to the later in the pod to, to catch that song. But um, really dug his, uh, you know, I mean, he comes right on you know, into the interview and uh, I loved his background. I mean, his, his jacket that he wore blended. I mean, nice. like it just hit the background. It was... Same jacket as uh, in the in the photo that you sent me. Yes, that's the jacket he was wearing. Yes. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, this is from the interview. What I oh no that. way! I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, dude, the, I love this picture. I love this picture. I've had a uh, you know I've had like a minute to take a look at this and uh, and uh, I don't know what to say, man. It it is interstellar, like. I'm I'm getting a strong Jimi Hendrix vibe, plus like I don't know the Matrix. You know, it's like I took the pill, and you know here we go. You know, real the real real reality is 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 coming forth, and his mind is like totally exploding, and the chord progression that he's playing, you know, involves really nothing more than the middle finger, like. To get it, uh, just to be able to see kind of what we're talking about, you can go to any of our socials, uh, Concert Pipeline, you know, on Facebook, at uh, facebook.com forward slash Concert Pipeline Pod, uh, at Concert Pipeline on Instagram uh, and Twitter as well. And uh, you got to see it. I mean, it's really awesome. It's uh, awesome. I mean, it's, it, it's, it should be. Album artwork. It should be a mural. It should be on the side of his tour bus. I mean, it's that. It's that stellar. Pretty intense. Um, yeah. And we'll we'll get back to the revolutionaries. But Jens, what what do you got to share? How's your week been? Oh uh, man, it's just been same same old thing. You know, it's just been work, 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 and just trying to make the best out of you know, uh, getting through the grind at work and then just trying to be, you know, productive and stuff with the, with the free time that I've got, but man, I've just been so drained. Um, there was only one thing, uh, one really productive thing that I was able to get, uh, done last week. And, um, I have you to thank, uh, for reminding me to do it. Uh, cause it's been on my mind every single freaking day. And after like the third week, I'm like, I'm going, I don't, care you know i just after work i'm going and i'm doing this and it was filling out my ballot and going to the civic center and popping it directly into the into the box good Uh, did that last week i think on a wednesday and next day next day or the day after i got an email said it was really quick it had been yeah it had been uh, received that's awesome like yes. you feel good, right? Like it made like- me feel really good. Yeah, for two reasons. One, I finally got it done, uh, and it's not like hanging over my head. Two, I'm so glad that I got the mail-in ballot because I, they don't send these to me every sing- every year, yeah. and I've, I'm always registered 
you know, to vote by mail. And sometimes yeah, I just, I don't get the damn thing. I just keep on waiting and waiting. And then I wait too long and it's like, okay, I'll just go to the poll or whatever. But then they tell you, oh, you can't, you can't vote uh, because you're mail-in and it's too late to get a replacement ballot. You know, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you know, do you remember, okay, so black people used to have uh, three fifths of a vote, right? Mm. I mean, back in back in the day well mm-hmm. you know i mean just kind of seeing everything we're going through and i mean and being a californian uh, and from one of the states that doesn't really matter kind of feel like that right like your vote isn't equivalent in california as it is in wisconsin or uh florida right know, right one of one of those states where every vote matters exactly like, yeah i could you know i cannot vote and it won't make a huge you know impact in california right california is going to be blue but, right you know, exactly. which comes yeah. down to the electoral college and you know and all the mess there and is it ever going to change you know which mm. president is going to be able to move forward and, and make mm. that happen mm-hmm. you know, because it's something that's way overdue yeah 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 so, it's just, I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about politics, no, but it's just no, so absolutely infuriating. Yeah, and by our next pod, maybe <laughs> we'll have, you know, have something to drink about, or... <laughs> Dude, I told you, you know, uh, when we got together over chat or whatever it was uh, a few days ago, I told you, man, uh, if November 3rd does not turn out the way that I'm hoping it will, and by November 4th, it's just like certainty that the wrong candidate was selected for a second term. Thumbs up. I'm hitchhiking to the next galaxy. I'm out of yeah. here. Yeah. Like, I'm done with this planet. There are too many fucking idiots. I'm gone. Too many. Too many for sure. Um, I can't deal. It's crazy how many there are. Doing the whole Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing. Sounds good. Well, I mean, bring your device so we can continue to pod because we have some more interviews coming up. So Yes, definitely. Definitely. I think I'm pretty sure Zoom is universal, so it'll work everywhere. Yeah, you'll be good. Um, Well, let let me tell you uh, about... Uh, you know how crazy my, my week's been because my son turned seven years old and used to be you could just have a party for your kid. We had three gatherings for Atticus, right? Um, right. It sounds like my birthday, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's just, and today, the last one being today. So yeah. the first one on Thursday we had was with um, uh, our buddy Joe Wilson, his wife and, uh, and son, George. And Joe was actually an hour and a half late to the two-hour thing because he was driving back from work uh, across the bay and it took him, took him a long time, but um but uh he his son and wife came you know and uh, and it was only the second time that our boys have been able to play together since COVID hit the other time being his son's birthday um you know and they were masks and everything they were both you know um, link for halloween link from zelda um ah okay the same character so it was really cute and that that's uh, from the picture you sent me as well Oh yeah, costume outfits. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, and so yeah, I'm not as familiar with those kids' shows as, as you are, but I think Zelda, that the, like Zelda's been around for, forever. I, I have never yeah. seen it. Yeah, I know. There's, a, I mean, there's new, a new version and everything, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But both of our yeah. kids wanted to be Zelda, 
right? Which is or link, right? Link from Zelda, uh, and uh, and so um, so okay, that was great. They got kids got to play on the front lawn and got a pizza and everything. Mm -hmm. And some beers, great, you know. Number two was the big one. That was on Halloween, we mm. uh, which is the day after his birthday. And so we we're having my mom and sister and my kid's mom, her husband, and and their other kid over, um, and subsequently um, her brother as well, I think. But um, but and it was a Halloween thing too. And there's no trick or treating this year, at least not that I'm aware. I mean, I. Uh, my daughter said her friends are all trick-or-treating i'm like where where are they trick-or-treating and mm -hmm. like, right they're like well they're wearing masks you know and i'm like okay well i don't know that there's that many people that are you know uh giving out candy you know i don't think that's mm -hmm. a lucrative year for it so <laughs> to get a bag full of candy but um yeah. so we, we you know we just did a gathering at my house and i mean and my girlfriend tracy did everything to the nines like i mean she prep food and i mean all these dishes like i mean I don't know, wow uh-huh yeah a ton of like halloween themed dishes and mm -hmm. um you know my kid's mom you know and my daughter made two cakes for uh you know for my son one was pennywise from it uh and out of cup made out they made that out of cupcakes and, wow okay and then a three-layer cake which with you know, figures that are for his favorite things like Pokemon and and Zelda and you know, and some of his other favorite things, right? Um, and so there are two cakes, and you know, among all the other dishes and everything, and that one is a lot of work, mm -hmm. exhausting. And then we wind it out today with my dad's family. Um, you know, my my dad and stepmom, my stepbrother and his wife and two kids um, came over. And again, on the front lawn. Uh, I, I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you a question. Hit it. Uh, I got. And you might. You might know uh, what this question is. Um, I, just, I, 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 <laughs> I just need to know how long your dad stayed. Was it more <laughs> or less than forty-five minutes? It was more this time. It was, it was yeah, go dad. Broke the barrier of three hours. Uh, no way. Yeah, he left just a little after two and got here before. Like right before eleven, so um, this wow. is in a while, you know. But it wasn't just us this time, you know. The uh, yeah, the other part of the family was there as well, and uh, and so that I think made the visit more tolerable. I don't yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe he felt less. I don't know. There was more to do. <laughs> there was more to do. Yeah, I think uh, moving and it was, uh, and it, it worked out well. But I was barbecuing today. I. You mm -hmm. know, cook burgers and dogs and nice in the kitchen doing you know the produce for it mm -hmm. and, uh you know quarter potatoes and fries and you know uh -huh. cob and asparagus and you know and stuff so this one is more you know a decent amount of work also and then it's just like by the end of, okay we're done we're done <laughs> we're done you know? yeah right right yeah so, i know it is exhausting huh yeah. But um, I'm sure I'm sure Addy appreciated it. I uh, I think he did. He had I mean he definitely had a good time and uh, um, felt the love. Let's say right. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, so that was cool. my my weekend. Yeah. The, the The other thing I was going to ask you was, uh, did you, did you guys 
for Addie's birthday, go to town and just, or just for Halloween in general and just like, you know, sidewalk chalk the entire driveway. No! <laughs> <laughs> I stayed away from that. I stayed away from that. Oh, no. Uh, nope. No, that is not happening again. Ever? Um, Are, is there still any evidence left of last time seen, you did that? I haven't seen it. No, it did. It did come up and, and I haven't seen it in that sense. But but I will give you a breaking up, breaking news update on the, the property is that they're pulling the vineyards this week. Um, what? The, they're pulling all of the vineyards because there's a virus in it that's been there for over a year. And um, holy shit! And so they're going to pull it all and start from from scratch. And oh my god! Like a three year process. So uh, that's massive. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be expensive. I'm sure, and it's going to be a three week process and probably be really loud. And yeah. And, are uh, they? Do you know if they are they are they using equipment for that, or are they just hiring laborers, or? Yeah, I think they have tractors and everything that they'll that they'll have to use. So yeah, um, dang that that's intense. That's too bad. Yeah, I'm, uh, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna miss on my, me myself, but um, it's it's gonna be uh, ripped with a large bulldozer to improve grape quality and production. Um, and th three years from now, the vineyard will be in production again. Um, and they're, they're going to be making new, uh, new Merlot grapes. So, um, were they doing Merlot before? I think so. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. So. Can you imagine that? Just one little stupid ass bug. Stupid you know, ass bug. I'm talking coronavirus You're here. A but different, different virus. A different virus. <laughs> yeah. You know, there goes millions of dollars in wine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's what I mean, I don't think they really got it. They had to, you know, have all the grapes picked this year, too. But mm -hmm. I don't think they got anything from it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know how much, you know, how it was usable or, or anything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <gasps> yeah, that's, yeah. Exciting update for the week. Um, so, Jens, why don't we bring in our guest again? This is Christopher uh, from the uh, Nevolutionaries. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I am loving your background and the vibe. I, I dig it. You know. Thank you, man. You know we're, we're we're out there, man. We're all in outer space right now, anyway. So oh, we are on some faraway planet. It feels like, right? Literally and figuratively. <laughs> all of the above. Uh, mm -hmm. How have you been doing through everything? I mean, you could start there. Like, what is what has this been like for you? Oh, uh, it's been. I'm used to touring and traveling. And I've been doing so most of my life. So the weirdest thing has just been staying put. And I'm one of those people that I like as much information as possible. And having no information or resolution to the issue has been a bit trying on one's soul, to say the least. But, you know, I feel for others who, you know, are dealing with more than just fear. They're dealing with the reality of loss and sickness and no jobs and all kind of stuff so you know compared to most i guess you know i'm i'm fine you know it's it's just a weird world for everyone now yeah yeah it's it is pretty crazy you know and it's uh, like where were you when the quarantine started back in march like what was what did that look like for you because you went back to back home well, right it was essentially i was in california i was in san francisco working yeah. on the record and 
I was about, I guess, about three quarters of the way through it. So I wanted to come back home, you know, because I was there during the holidays and New Year's, literally recording on Christmas Day. And um, just wanted to come back and see family. And then one thing led to another and they just kind of shut it down. But leaving San Francisco, I could kind of tell that there was a shift just in the energy, like something was wrong and maybe this wasn't as light of a thing. Like I knew it was gonna be heavy. I knew it was gonna be heavy. You know, even on my way flying back to the East Coast, people were looking at me funny. And this is in like February, you know, late February, early March. And they're looking at me funny because I have a, a mask on and I'm like, you'll see. <laughs> not yeah. to, you know, not to wish that on anybody in any situation is like, it, this is unprecedented for, for our time. But I believe that everything happens for a reason called the hippie in me or something. Um, this, is, this has made a lot of people spend a lot more time with each other, get reconnected, sometimes spending that time and realize you know, really want to be connected to that person anymore, which has happened to a lot of people. And so there's, but it's necessary. It, it's making us look at ourselves as a country, you know, and I'm not even getting into the other elephant in the room that's going on in the country right now, but it's just, it's heavy. But I really think at the end of the day that I believe in humanity and I think they're more positive people than there are negative people. And I just really hope that if nothing else for just the sake of someone being proactive about this pandemic in our country, especially when it comes to leadership, is have a plan that works. You know, because I read somewhere that I think in Taiwan, they went like 200 days, some country, somewhere in China, they went 200 days without a, a, without a case. Wow. So what are they doing there that we're not doing? And it's the fact that when you have everything separated, normally there's the government's working with the doctors and taking the advice of the people that I thought they were helpful in putting in place so they could provide this information. And they're just kind of resting on their laurels and it's more about posturing and campaigning and people are just dying, you know, and it looks kind of normal but at the end of the day, it's not. We've just yeah. gotten used to something kind of crazy. And that's crazy in itself. Yeah, well, there's too many people that don't believe it, right? And there's there's people that are gonna, you know, hold back and not get vaccines, you know, and uh, and all of that, that this is, I mean, just our, the way that we in the United States, you know, hand, you know approach this, uh, this pandemic is just, you know, it's unprecedented. It's like, okay, it'll pass in time, you know, well, it hasn't, you know, <laughs> and, and we're all paying the price for it uh, because we, we, you know. But, but that was essentially not even we, the people, that was a handful of people that were chosen to ignore things. And that's the scary thing that someone of a questionable mental capacity can be in charge of saving lives. If something, you know, I, I saw something where it said that he knew back in February and then Kusher came out and said something about, oh, he's trying to, you know, bring the control, get the control back from the doctors. It's all posturing and, and, and nonsense and people are dying. And, you know, I, I never wish anything on anybody because that's bad in itself. But sometimes when karma 
does what it's supposed to do, it, it can be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk about the the EP a little bit, right? A uh, little bit lighter topic. <laughs> Definitely, right? Right. Uh, so you're like you said in San Francisco, working working on it at Hyde Studios, uh, Hyde Street Studios, right? And um, and tell me about the process that uh, that you were kind of taking into the EP when uh, at Hyde Street. You able to hear me? Yes. Hey, there we go. Okay. Did you get the question? Uh, no. It, okay. It okay. Uh, yeah. So I was uh, I was asking about the process you were taking in when you were working on the EP at Hyde Street before you had to pause on it. Um, what did that look like for you? Um, that process was very organic and very easy. There's a dear friend of mine, uh, Chris McGrew, that's one of the co-owners of Hyde Street Studio C, aka Wally's Hideout. And, uh, you know, we, we've been doing some songs off and on for the past couple of years. I would demo some stuff with him. He played drums on it and I'd do everything else. And kind of came out with more of a definitive plan this time and said, hey, you know, I have a group of songs. So he and I worked on a lot of that. I'd say probably like 70 or 65% of it. And then I had a couple other people, my good friend, Johnny Extell, uh, he's a amazing, amazing guitarist and a wonderful human being as well. And that does matter. Yeah. Because you can have awesome people and they can rock, but if they're jackasses, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, had, and had him and a couple other, you know, people putting some stuff on. I had, uh, you know, my dear friend, uh, uh, Kenny Olson. Mm -hmm. He was yep. in Nashville and he tracked some stuff for me. He's played you know he's a legendary guitar player you know Bootsy Collins yeah oh yeah guitar hanging up and the you know hard rock and that kind of stuff and you know just having him interested enough to play on it was exciting in itself and I just had access to these amazing players and then later on after I got back to the east coast uh I had another friend of mine that I was working on some stuff with uh drummer Nick Baglio and he's he's one of these guys has been playing since he was like three or something but he's phenomenal and a really awesome guy as well so he and i kind of finished fleshing out the stuff and it was the whole thing of like here's a song with the click track lay the drums down and kind of re-recording some things and the freaking stonian aspect of it all but it was great to have it because a lot of people didn't have anything or to focus on during these times and i at least had I knew this record was coming out and I had to get it done and go through the whole process. So it gave me something positive to think about rather than sitting around and staring at CNN for 24 seven and freaking out. Yeah, I know that, that nothing good can come from that. I'll tell you, right. Not at all. <laughs> I, I try to turn off that noise as much as possible. And, you know, you're going to hear stuff coming through, but if you don't seek it out, then. Um, like, like, there's a fine line of being informed and then becoming obsessive. Obsessive, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's and at the end of the day, you have to live your life and just do it safely. And you know, hopefully, we'll be moving in this uh, next few months and moving into a more positive and healing direction with all this. And you know, hoping we, you know, at least come up with a plan that everybody can jump on and we can kind of get back to life as we know it, which I think will not 
ever be quite again as we knew it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we have our memories. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it's like, this is something we're going to tell our grandchildren, you know, it's just like that, that, that we had to yeah, live through this, right? You know, so it's it's a really interesting, you know, crazy mm -hmm. time. Um, and you, you worked with uh, Stephen Perkins on the EP also. Oh, no, 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 not Stephen Perkins. Kenny plays with him. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You didn't work. Yeah. Okay. He, he, he plays with, oh, that, that would be great. Uh, I met him briefly in LA, actually, when I was out there during NAMM. And he's actually one of my, uh, one of my favorite drummers of all time. And so I put it in Kenny's ear. I'm like, man, see if he'll be down, to, you know, play on the track. So I put it out there. I guess it's up to the cosmos. But that would right. be really awesome. James was a really important band to me when I got into them. It's like they, you know, some music you dance to, some music it speaks to you. you oh, know? I mean, they did a lot for music. And Perry Farrell also, I mean, creating Lollapalooza. I mean, they're like, that's huge, right? Like, he's he's done a lot. He's left his mark. So Cultural influencers. Yeah. You know, like the real influencers are actually influencing something. <clears throat> yeah. Not because yeah. you're just born to somebody famous and then you're an influencer because mommy and daddy were stars. You know, that's that doesn't cut it for me. No. You, gotta, no. you know, when, when you move a lot of people and you're moving something positive and, you know, no one's going to be perfect. But if you can at least try to move forward, I guess that's all we can even ask for any of us. Try to do something positive, move forward. I try to do the same thing. You know, I've had periods of my life when I wasn't the nicest person to people because I wasn't really feeling myself, you know? And if nothing else, having, even as of, you know, recently, having the time to reflect and doing, a, you know, I've been doing a lot of spiritual growth in the past couple of months because when you're sitting there with yourself and your thoughts, you can either sift through them or be bombarded. So I, you know, didn't want it to be the latter. And so what have you learned about yourself during this time? Um, I need to be patient with people and try to see, be more empathetic of other people's situations because there's a fine line of looking out for yourself and taking care of yourself first and foremost, but it's all about us as a, as a, as a species, as, a, as beings not as a race or creed or color or anything. It's about humans, you know, because at some point I'm sure it's going to pop up. We're not the only ones, you know, that are out here in the universe. And so we might as well, it, we should at least have some kind of united front within us and let these old ideals and let these things stay in the past and move forward to like, you know, a day of light and, and an age of enlightenment, you know, because I'm kind of over the whatever we're going through now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. And have you found your uh, it? Uh, have you found an ability to be able to do that? To be able to be more patient, uh, you know, and understanding. I, it's anything is a work. Everything is a work in progress, especially when you're implementing anything new into your life. But I'm making sure, you know, I'm thinking to myself: Am I listening? Or am I talking over someone? Am I giving them the ear they need? And I think if everyone did that or some, you know, we, we live in a selfie type of world, you know, it's all about, you know, we're forgetting about what we're here for. And I think that's why 
the cosmos put us in this predicament we're in now yeah. because it's like a wake-up call it's like look how precious your life is you can go to the you can go to the store or you can go meet up with a buddy in the park and he can breathe on you and that could be it and that's some deep shit at the end of the day yeah you that's know crazy. so it's definitely making me i've reached out to some people that i may have had issues with in the past and we may have had a falling out you know of course some of those things need to lay buried but some are worth saving especially when i think i had a fault in them so it's just you know just trying to you know we got to get better you know as as people as a person i i never want to be satisfied with who and what i am i always want to be able to get new knowledge and learn and try to grow in a more positive way because when i was doing the not so positive thing it didn't really work very well you know so yeah 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 talk about so, some honesty <laughs> right i know breaking over here <laughs> um so so let's talk about uh music and kind of when uh you know we can go way back like tell me about um what music was on in your house when you were a kid and your, your parents were they influences on you musically at all oh wow oh wow earth wind and fire there it is. Yeah. Uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Uh, Switch. Bootsy Collins. And that was before Seven. Then Seven uh, went to the record store and saw, I guess, I forgot how old I was, but I got, I got into Kiss just because it looked cool. And yeah. then I listened to it and something about the distortion made me feel kind of funny and I liked it. And I've always had a thing for textures that move you, you know, like like a nice crunchy guitar that like it's incinerating. Or a nice trippy guitar that just dances around your head. So uh that <clears throat> and uh also on both sides of my family there are musicians. You know, I have a had uh, cousins in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and they were MCs and winning contests and stuff. And my, my one cousin, uh, Bridget, she had her own label back in like the 80s or something. You know, I think it was called Strawberry Pump Records. But that was kind of cool just to have other people to look up to. And it's, you know, and my dad played when he was younger. And then my grandfather played as well. So it's literally something that's in me on both sides. It's just, it's what I am, literally. I'm music at this point. So what were the first instruments that you picked up? What did you, what did you learn first? I tried the trumpet, but I failed miserably. And I didn't have the discipline at the time because I was younger to really practice properly to get you know to do it worth a damn and then um I guess in high school uh heard the song free will by rush and it did something to me it changed me it was like the lyrics the bass stuff the drums it was just mind-blowing so uh, I asked for a guitar that Christmas and I got a guitar, a quart. 
and I broke during the first two days, I broke the B and the E string off. So I only had the first four strings. Uh-huh. Kind of got used to it. You're just using it without the strings, huh? Yeah, I was, I was you know, I kind of fiddle my thing. My style and bass is kind of goofy too. It's like I play it like a guitarist and like a, it's like a hybrid kind of thing. But uh really got and started jamming with some buddies after school. You know, I had we had a little band called Expugno, which is Latin for it to take by flight or some shit. Mm-hmm. And uh I've been playing for three weeks and I was like, I got this. And so I booked us a, <laughs> a date at a venue. Uh it was a friend of mine who's an amazing designer named Nilarte Dioso. Uh he has a company called Neo Dandy, but he was a drummer and another friend of ours was a guitar player and he went to this club and I think we were just more entertaining than playing music and entertaining the crowd like we were supposed to. I think they were just kind of laughing at like a, it seemed like an orchestrated shit show of sorts. You know, it was kind of, we were, t- I mean, I was, I was playing for three weeks and I was like, I got this. I yeah. got this. Let's get on the road, right? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I learned, and even till today, I always I can always learn more. That's the thing about life, you know, especially with music, because you know I was a you know I was not I wouldn't I was never a big deal in the Raleigh scene. You know I was a curiosity, at you know I'll give it that. But when I started going to hanging out in real scenes like in New York and L.A. and San Francisco, I was like, man, I suck. But it's not that I suck. It's just that everybody has their own thing that you really can't compare to someone else's thing because they have a plethora of different experiences and influences musically and life-wise that went into that music that makes them who they are, that makes them play that way. So it's gonna be different. You know, I could I could never be one of these guys that practices with a metronome, you know, just, you know, playing all kinds of modes and shit. I'm more like a, an emotive kind of a feeling guy because I think that when you can say something in a language that everybody can get it, it'll get to more people. You know, like I love Rush, but when you go to Rush concerts back in the day, or oh, oh wow, that's weird. But when you would go to Rush concerts, it'd be a bunch of dudes and their girlfriends there. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like everybody. It was like a certain kind of, you know, person, and I had my nerdy self up in there with him. So, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's all all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff influences me, man. It, it's just just life. Yeah, yeah. You know, like and- I've been really digging and trying to revisit some old material I had as of late, and you know, already thinking about the next record, even though this one hasn't come out yet. But just you know, trying to stay fresh you know and, and never you know wanting to be one to rest on my laurels and always to kind of move forward so hopefully it works yeah and so uh was it in high school that um that you uh you had your uh, peasants of the apocalypse did that did you create that in high school that was after high school i was about 19 and the drummer was 17 and the no the drummer was 15 and the Guitar player was 17 and the guitar player and I had been playing around for a while and we couldn't find a drummer. We had this like bluesy kind of thing going and 
we would do stuff like Tales of Brave Ulysses by Cream and a lot of, you know, power trio kind of stuff. And uh, then we found the drummer and it never, like, I, I didn't understand the business and really how to, to really move a band forward at that time. You know, I could admit it was mostly just to be cool, I guess. Like, hey, I'm in a band, you know, and I fry tacos on Tuesdays. You know, it was, I didn't take it seriously. I didn't, I didn't realize it was the beautiful gift that I see it as now, you know, because, you know, you, with time, hopefully it wisens you up and teaches you lessons and you, you know, you apply them. But now it's like, it means something so different to me now because back, you know, we were kids and it was a way to go to parties. It was like, hey, can we get some free beer? Sure, we're in a band, you know? But somewhere along the way, it hit me. But, you know, I've been doing music stuff my whole life. You know, when, uh, I guess to Super Circle back, when I was growing up in Philly, we had to do, like a, like a play every semester, like Bye Bye Birdie, a musical. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of volunteer to do every one they offered because I thought it was just kind of, I enjoyed it. You know, I like dancing and singing around, you know, and it was, it was fun. You know, I remember working, waking up at the crack of ass every day, but that wasn't fun. But once everything got rolling and, uh, you know, it was great, but then went from there to singing in choirs then uh, moving to Virginia, joined a Baptist church and started getting into the more, you know, the gospel. And my stepbrother at the time had a, a gospel group and I sang with them and uh, had an Aunt Evelyn and she played piano. So it was all around, you know, so music has had a way of just kind of like being omnipresent, just there. And then you know, I got into like the bad brains and, you know, I was uh, the band Corrosion of Conformity. They're good friends of mine. Uh, actually, the uh, rest of you guys are great. And uh, they were actually like an interesting kind of influence because they played, they started out as a punk band, then they became like a uh, alt rock, I don't know what you would even call it, like a metal band. Mm-hmm. And then they became a Southern rock band, you know, and they kind of taught me that you can kind of do what you want to do. You can bend genres and yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just depends on how real it is. And the people, you know, they got to buy it, they got to believe in it, they got to buy into what you're doing. And if you can translate your vibe across multiple genres that's that's a wonderful thing you know I've, I've always been a you know two of my biggest influences have been the band Led Zeppelin and Prince and it's because you know they had huge balls yeah. they ignored what was being released on the radio they ignored probably what the record company told them to put out and they just did everything all kinds of genres all kinds of tones and textures and flavors and yet both of those artists and all their creations, they all, they both had a continuity that kind of pulled everything into their essence, you know, and, and that's something that I find, you know, just amazing, amazing. And it's fun because, you know, you can get in the, you know, one mood I can wake up and feel like, you know, easy like Sunday morning, you know, the next morning you're having the blues, the next morning you're, you know, it's like some far out, 
metal song. The next morning, you know, it could be some electronica shit, you know? It's like if it moves you, you know, that's what matters. Yeah, that's what's important. Um, did you ever get a chance to see Prince live? Yes, a few times. Hmm. How was and that? It was both times. Well, the first time I was with a girlfriend of mine at the time, and I was trying to be all cool and you know, not not show her how I was all geeked out, but I was trying to like like yeah, it's Prince. Oh God, it's really him. And it was just a, a great showman. And it, I had a friend of mine uh, that knew. Prince's guitar tech at the time. So I got to go to one show and, you know, they're like, hey man, are you in town? Could, you know, the drummer needs sticks. Could you bring us some sticks and we'll hook you up? I was like, sticks it is. So I got to hang out and watch him, you know, sound check and do his whole thing. And, and then he did an after party at a local nightclub and I went to that as well. So I got to watch him, you know, from five feet away. You know, and he was really cool when I when I, I when I spied him, he was in the corner eating a bag of Doritos. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was like, mm. <laughs> he he is human. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Even rock stars like Doritos, right? Right. Yeah. No, he's uh, he's amazing. I never got a chance to see him live. I did almost get a ticket to his like his last tour. You know, when he played in the Bay Area and everything, right. but it was I was you know I had it in my cart. But it was just like, it's just too much. I can't, couldn't afford it. And then, you know, you, you kick yourself because it happened, you know, a month later or something, you know, right after, right after that, you know, I'm, yeah. I guess it's a little, I think the irony is that he died in an elevator because in Let's Go Crazy, you know, he's like, I'm not going to let the elevator bring us down. Yeah. And then he passes away in the elevator. That is pretty ironic, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I personally think a spaceship came and scooped him up and took him back to where they brought him from. (laughs) I know. Like, you hear so many people's stories, and he's just like this mystic being, and he's like, you know, and his presence is just incredible just to to be around that energy. And, uh, and like, yeah, and he just shows up, like, you know, from nowhere or something, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll just magically appear out of a, he just like materializes. Yeah. Yeah. Where did Prince come from? <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, it's it's they're not making they're not going to make any more like that one. That's for damn sure. No, one of a kind for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so with, with peasants, you was uh, was it with peasants that you opened for Metallica? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so tell me about that. Uh, we had a, a the drummer had a friend of the family that had a connection, and we were causing quite a bit of a buzz. And they, you know, asked if we were available. Uh, I think it was more through the promoter, not like the band actually, like Metallica sought me out. But yeah. you get there how you can. And it yeah. was cool. It was definitely the most people I've, at you know, that time played to. And I was, you know, I was, I wish I could take the performance back, but I can't. Why is that? Everything, you know, when you when you get going, it's it's the adrenaline kicks in, and then the meters and the tempos of the song start to shift. Like the song is supposed to be It's like oh crap. 
and then you can't just slow it down. You have to kind of ride it out. So, and and also I'm not, you know, a perfectionist, but I'm always kind of really, I scrutinize my performances as I've put practice into them. I want to get better. And even back then I was like, I should have done this, should have done that. And so I learned to keep practicing all the time, every day, and then you won't have any second thoughts or doubts. So that's kind of where it ended up being really awesome. You know, I think they kind of popped out to check us out and then kind of popped away. And I think it was um, Metal Church played after we did. Mm-hmm. So, so that was interesting, but that was definitely that was definitely pretty cool. Yeah, where was that? Show? That was at a Walnut Creek Amphitheater in Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. which is now probably like Dull Banana Theater or something like that. It's just changed to so many different things. Whoever pays the yeah. most, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Edge Castro Old uh, Amphitheater. You know, it's like they'll get anything. I guess money talks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so um I wanna I wanna know a little bit about your your dad also because he was a professional uh I mean he's a linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles, right? So like yeah. you, you went to you must have gone to a lot of uh football games. No, but when he was playing, uh I was a bit too young to be going to games, hmm. you know. But I always remember football being a huge part of our lives. It was always around Eagle stuff. And I even used to have his, uh, his, uh, his cars he, he had, and I would take him to school when I was a kid and like sell him for like a, a buck. It's like, Hey, got a card. I'll sign it. My dad will sign it. And then I'd be like, sign it myself. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Well, the insake, so, you know, it's not too far off. Right. Right. So. Right. I do have part of the name of my name, but, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, Never, never got to see him play live, but you know, even now you can look him up on the internet and you can just see him just clobbering people. So it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's it's always exciting when you're to grow up when your dad's, you know, and like both of my parents are my heroes. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. My mom, uh, she's a retired school teacher, uh, really awesome. Good. She's the one that kind of helped me develop my spirituality. Uh, super open-minded person, not like, you better do this. You know, it's like, try that, go to that church with that friend, go to this church, see what you like, you know, try it out, see what calls to you. And most people are like, you better do what I said. Why? Because I said so. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't leave a lot for learning and, you know, but I, I kind of appreciate it because I had a, a really good balance, you know, like a free spirit mom and a dad. It was kind of not, you know, not I wouldn't say a hard ass, but I didn't get away with shit. Right. You know, there's certain stuff that I didn't do. You know, we we know better. So, you know, I, I feel really, really lucky just to to, you know, call my parents my heroes and my sister, of course. She's amazing too. Have a lot, have a lot of love around me, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's good to have that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So you've spent uh, a good amount. You spent how long have you been kind of in the San Francisco area? I know you're back and forth between San Francisco. I've, I've been back and forth now for like ten years. Uh, I first started coming out. I'd had in a, I was working with a magazine and I had to interview DJ Cubert, and I went out for the first time, 
uh, and it's just my spiritual home. I felt good there. The open-mindedness of the people there. I saw the kind of shift from the tech thing. I think I was right there, right when the techie thing started happening. And it's definitely a lot different now. And But I hear now a lot of the tech folks are kind of moving out. And so rent's dropping back and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm making plans to, you know, return sooner than later, but it's just, everything's just at a halt and you have to make sure, you know, you know, employment's in place, things are, you know, and it's just, I just love it. I just love it. And just being a part of the, the Hyde Street crew and um, being able to go there and, and work at this place where so many amazing records were made and, you know, have a chance to, you know, I'm not sure how my chapter will turn out, but at least I get to write a chapter that's started there. And it's like, it's just, just an honor to be even, you know, to work there. It's like, you know, you're somewhere really special. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I'm in Napa, California, right? And, um, and so uh, I, uh, I'd like to hear kind of a, you know some of the st uh, stories either of venues that you played at in the Bay Area or shows that you've been to. Um, you know, what are some of those venues that you love love going to? Oh my goodness, I don't even know where to start, man. So many. Um... For me, it's the Fillmore. I can start you there. So... I've seen, I've seen, like I've seen P Funk at the Fillmore. Uh, I remember seeing, I remember being there the night that the Giants won and uh, Stone Temple Pilots was actually playing at, I think that was at the Fillmore. Uh -huh. And seeing a couple of awesome shows there. Uh, the, God, the name is failing me. It's like this, this one venue that's way, it's, in an industrial district. Uh -huh. Like bottom of the hill or? Bottom of the hill, there you go, bottom of the hill. Yeah. That, that you can never get a ride once you get there. Uh-huh, <laughs> right, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> good luck getting home club. Right, but yeah. Seen a lot of amaz amazing shows there. I saw a really cool show there a few years ago with a San Francisco band called Bale Bale Vanish. Okay. They're really cool. And uh, I used to play a little bit I would play around once in a while with Eric McFadden, who's a San Francisco guy, kind of a guitar virtuoso of sorts. And so I've jammed with him in quite a few clubs around town and I just love it. I just love it. Yeah. It's yeah. just something, and creative wise, certain places I kind of lock up, I guess when the energy's kind of weird and other person, other places I open up. And it seems that when I'm there, it opens. And I just create so much more, you know, I'm, it's. Yeah. You know, give me emotion. Oh, I know. <laughs> There's so many great places here, you know, oh. uh, I guess it's awesome. Um, well, so we, we started out talking about how, you know, 
we're kind of in time that's out of this world, but um, I know you also have a passion for UFOs. Uh, so we can kind of, well, you know, wind out the interview part on, on that if you want to tell me a little bit about your, uh, uh, your passion there. Okay. Um, I guess my first instance I had was in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Prob um, and I was with two other friends. We were actually leaving the beach and kind of saw something kind of triangular with three lights, silent and huge. And three years or four years later, I was actually at Johnny Mercer's Pier, which is uh, actually where people do a lot of the beach fishing there and hanging out with four or five other people, and we saw something kind of similar come out of the water. And each time it was not me by myself. Yeah. So, and I don't know if it's, I wouldn't dare say it's alien, but I'm sure the government has, you know, and there's air bases near there and all kinds of stuff. And they're probably, it's probably something they're working on and, you know, not fully disclosing. I think there's like a probably a like a 10 year lag on technology and stuff like that, that after they fully discovered and tested and retested and retested and retested and retested, refine it, then it gets released to the public. I'm sure there's some kind of process. But because I, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, I've never seen any little green people. Yeah. But, but then again, I would kind of think, you know, if they came here, you know, they traveled all that way, it's kind of like traveling across country and, and Wally World's closed. You know, it's like, oh, this is it? Earth? Yeah. That's it? What's twerking? You know? And that's what they take off. Yes, they twerk and they smoke meat. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't, you know, but, but who knows? Who knows? At, at yep. this point, truth and what I've known and truth is always stranger than fiction. Yeah. So, well, you know, begin near but, the beginning uh, of the like, anything? Oh, have I ever seen? You know, nothing that I can pinpoint. It, like it was, I don't know. We, it was interesting. I was sitting out on the porch, uh, on the you know, outside in the backyard um, with the family a couple months ago, and. Um, there's just this weird item that was like, okay, what, you know, going across the sky and wasn't a shooting star. It wasn't that fast. It wasn't a plane and didn't have any of the blinky lights. It wasn't a helicopter or anything. Right. So it's like, uh, it's interesting. What was it? You know, I, I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's, I guess it could be a satellite. Um, but, but if everyone's seen them, then that's a lot of satellites, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, I've never said any, seen anything I can point my finger to like that, that firmly that it's, but the, you know, the Pentagon did admit that UFOs exist, you know, like six months ago, right? Yeah, so they put out that Navy video of the guys going, wow, look at that thing. And so I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to it because yeah. I really hope that I think something like an alien disclosure would be the only thing that would bring humanity together because everyone is so divided and separated that it would scare us into 
loving each other, you know. We need something, which, yeah. Which I guess if you know, I guess it's not how you get there, right? <laughs> Probably not that way. You know, they're hopefully the easier ways, but <laughs> less obtrusive. But yeah, yeah, but 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 who knows? I mean, they're they're leaking information out and saying that stuff, and. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe in a year we can come back and if we're both um, on Zorp, we can have the. <laughs> we can we talk about it. We were right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we might be. We might be. Right. Um, well, cool. So, uh, first off, thank you for taking the time, Chris. But um, yeah, I understand you'd, um, you're open to playing a song as well. Is that right? Sure. I think I might have a little fiddle right here. Hey, how about that? Looky there. This is actually the new single, Ariana. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, so tell me, where did the inspiration for Ariana come from? Um, 
love, like, I haven't met my, the girl that's the one yet, you know? Mm -hmm. I met the three, the four, the five, the six. Uh -huh. And they're all in the other room and- uh, no. <laughs> but, not, but not quite the one. And uh, it's like a song of yearning and what it would be like and what it would feel like, you know, like, I'm into the way things make you feel and how you can translate these emotions into a word or an action or something. So it's all about the dream and promise of love, pretty much. You know, and, and also even in choosing songs on the record in which to release first, we probably could have gone, you know, I have some rocking songs too. But this is a nice, easy song. And I think people need some nice and easy right now. And then when it gets back, you know, to the point where, you know, they can handle it, then I'll just rock the hell out. Yeah. And I just want to kind of ease people into the vibe and just kind of people need to be soothed right now. A lot of people are, are just hyped up and in interesting places. And as artists, that's part of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to entertain and if i could sing a song and for a few minutes somebody's like my mom turns out loves this song and my sister and they keep listening to it and say we listen to it because it, it makes us happy and that's like a really beautiful thing when just a song can do that because you've had you could probably name a song that when you were little that you heard when it would come on you would throw down whatever toy you had in your hand and you would start dancing Oh yeah. And you don't have to tell me what it is, but you know what I'm talking about. And it's that whole thing, man. It's the magic of it. It's like almost being allowed to play with magic is like being a musician. Yeah. You know? And then when you make people cry, I guess it's bad magic. <laughs> yeah. As, you know, if you make them cry from your music, you know, tears of joy, right? So there you go. There you go. That's good as well. Well, well, Chris, I I look forward to the uh, the full EP coming out and being able to to check that out. I'm sure you're excited to release it as well in January. So, yes, I'm I'm beyond excited. And thank you so much for your time today. I really okay. appreciate you. Hey, well, thank you for your time, and we'll uh, we'll get through this. You know, we'll, <laughs> we will. We will. Yeah. We will. Maybe we could chat again someday when the whole thing comes out and see what you think of the whole work as a collective. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, you have Sounds a great good. weekend ahead, okay? You too. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Bye. That was the interview <laughs> with the Never here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that takes us to the final segment on the program. What is it? It is time to discuss some music news, Steve. <laughs> That is right. Uh, we each have a couple of stories to share, things that are going on in the music world. And, um, you know, we have I'll start out with a, a story. So this is uh, about your favorite uh, Osbournes, uh, Ozzy and, and Sharon. Ozzy, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on in Ozzy's life or Sharon's life? Well, Ozzy and Sharon were victims of credit card fraud, Jens. Oh my God. Yeah. Them and a billion other people. <laughs> I know this is, this is a really hard-hitting news, right? Uh, so, yeah. 
as with all Osborne news, right, it, was, it broke on Sharon's talk show, The Talk. Um, mm -hmm. And she revealed they were, while they were discussing Conan O'Brien's late night set being bur burglarized, which um, side note, oh, I watched wow. a video uh, for that. And, um, and so he's doing, he's recording their shows at the Largo in Los Angeles, which is a music venue. They're saving a music venue by recording their shows there. Uh, oh. And, um, and so they were talking, uh, they, uh, the Largo, the, uh, Conan stuff, a couple, um, couple of his crews, like laptops that they used to do their Zoom interviews uh, that were stolen. And then the, uh, the clapboard, you know, that they sync the audio and video with was stolen. And so I don't know, you can check that video out. It's, that's a side topic, but it was pretty, uh, Conan's take on it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Um, and so, so they were talking about that on the talk. And so she, uh, she went on to say that her daughter Kelly's birthday was uh, today, and she went to pick her up her pick up her gift, which sounds like she was cutting it a little too close, probably. But you know, why not? Um, and she gave her credit card. They come back and they said, uh, "Do you have another credit card?" Right? And she mm -hmm. threw. And so she told them to try it again didn't go through so they're like do you have another one so she tried another one and then uh she gave she gave them ozzy's credit card right and they come back and they go do you have another one it didn't go through. oh my god yeah and so are they like, stealing oh, all these numbers <laughs> yes uh some <laughs> of charges and maxed out Ozzy's ozzy's card and her car card she called the credit card company and they go no 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 you're maxed out so is ozzy on this account and so she's like i don't go to that store or to that's this other store um, uh-huh Sharon was still able to get Kelly a gift, and she said that she's working with the credit card company to clear up the charges. So, um, wow, yes. you know, I mean, credit card fraud sucks. Period. But yeah, it, to find out that it happened to you when you're trying to, you know, get ready for a birthday, and you're, you know, trying to find a gift, or, or I mean, does it ever happen during times that are less important? You know, like. I don't know, you want to go to the store and buy some, you know, your latte or something, it's decline, you know, that's no big deal. Does that ever right. happen? Or it always has to happen if you're traveling or some, you know, you're in some situation where it really sucks. Have you had credit card fraud happen to you? <laughs> yeah, several times. You know I what? Have. I think I've lucked out, so. Yeah, a couple times. Uh Interesting and interestingly enough, it kept on happening happening to us uh, with Capital One. Mm. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but that card kept on getting compromised. Like it happened three times in one year, yeah, and we decided, "Fuck it, we're yeah. going to do, to a different bank." We haven't had the problem since. So yeah. I don't have any idea why or if it has anything to do with Capital One at all, but. Uh, well, did you have the no hassle card? Because I know uh, there's no hassle when you have the no hassle card, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, Capital thing, the Capital One no hassle card or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't remember. I don't I, 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 it, it, yeah, that fell flat because, dude, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we got suckered in uh, or we decided to go with Capital One because I had some you know, great deals if you travel or something, maybe you get extra points or it mm -hmm. was, 
just because you could put your photograph, you could upload your photograph onto the onto your account, and they would ship you a card with your photo on it, um, which was cool. Mm. I don't remember. Just, whatever. <laughs> you, you get a card with your photo on it, but hey, you're gonna get some fraud attached to it. So <laughs> uh, I know, I know. It's like, don't you want to? You know, uh, maybe that maybe they're trying to encourage you to 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 like um, up you know update the photo on your card more more often. You know, you should yeah. have at least a, a different photo on there three times a year. You yeah. Know, so yeah. sounds about right. We, you got a Was story? Your story? Yeah. yeah. I got a story. This is about the Rolling Stones, kind of. I'm what sorry. That's not right at all. It's about Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Close. Close. Uh, okay. So let's talk about why Gilby Clark turned down Guns N' Roses reunion jam. Okay, tell me about it. All right, so um, so Gilby Clark is the former uh, guitarist for the whole uh, Use Your Illusion era. And, he was in um, Guns N' Roses for three years. Yeah, okay. So he shared in a new interview in their Not In This Lifetime reunion tour, uh, but had to decline due to another obligation. Mm, okay. Wow. What's more important than being in one of the biggest tour, like the biggest tour of the year? Uh, I mean, what, what's more important than that, Jens? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to jump ahead here, but I'm kind of wondering, was there another obligation that was really that important? Or was it just trying to find a way to get out of this? Because, mm, yeah, he just didn't. Know, wasn't into it, wasn't feeling it. Yeah. So he responded. Uh, wait a minute, I am jumping ahead of myself. So uh, Gilby made an appearance recently on the Trunk Nation podcast and was asked, quote, have they ever reached out to you about joining them on the Not In This Lifetime tour, unquote? He responded, quote, yes, uh, they did, yeah. They did. When uh, it first started, they did reach out to me to come and play. End quote. He went on to explain why it did not happen. He says, quote, my daughter, Frankie, has a band. They asked me the same day my daughter's band was playing Lollapalooza uh, 2016, which was like the biggest break for her band. That's like really cool, right? Yeah. Um, it was the same day. Go ahead. I was saying, but he's a proud dad, huh? Yeah, totally, totally, right? Uh, it was the same day when they were playing Lollapalooza and I had to be there. Um, and I couldn't really give that up to go. Um, and in follow-up, he was asked if he was still open to playing with Guns N' Roses again. And he said, I have nothing against it. It's just that it didn't work out for me. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's a cool story, right? Yeah. yeah. That is a cool story. I mean, you know, uh, life happens. You know, you can't, you can't organize everything uh, nicely on a calendar. You can't be in two places at once. But to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to support my daughter. Mm -hmm. Can't, you know, can't do the Guns N' Roses tour. Is it bad that I just feel like, you know, I probably would have skip the, my daughter's concert at Lollapalooza <laughs> and, and, 
and we've gone and played songs of Guns N' Roses. Like, is it uh, is that bad? <laughs> you know, you know. I think what I would have done is I would have hunted high and low for someone who looked just like me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, just convince my daughter that you're me. <laughs> yeah, I was there in the crowd. Look, I took pictures. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. I was there. See, right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm the crowd. Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah, yeah, good times. Well, my next story ends is about Green Day. And, All right. Um, and not even directly about Green Day, but about their side project, The Network, um, which um, is all three members of Green Day. They teased uh, the release of Money Money 2020 Part 2. Um, that's uh, So uh, Money Money 2020 is their only album to date. Um, they and they're teasing part two of uh, of that. The, they've always denied being behind the net, network who released their first and only album in 2003. Uh, it's so funny that they deny it. Um, a mysterious video appeared on the network's Instagram account yes, uh, yesterday featuring a creepy voiceover, uh, skulls, lizards, and more. The insignificance of man cannot be overstated, the voice says. Uh, so in the year of Money Money 2020, uh, as Mark uh, 2 approaches, remember one thing. The clip then cuts to footage of the mask band singing, we're right, you're wrong, we told you so. And uh, you can check that out on their, um, on their Instagram page. But um, uh, Green Day frontman Billy Joe Armstrong shared the video and other clips of music on his Instagram story, captioning the post with things like, uh, I don't know who this is, and we are not the network. And, uh, and this, the network, definitely not Green Day. He also said, uh, fuck these guys, he wrote in another post before sharing fans' confused comments about the network's identity. Um, and meanwhile, Armstrong is set to release a compilation of his No Fun Mondays cover series next month, which he'd done, um, I think through Instagram or something, but, you know, a bunch of, you know, a cover song every Monday. And he's going to um, release that as an album, so. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but the network, that'll be interesting. Uh, I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm sure I shared this on the pod at some point, but um, I got to see the network open for Green Day um, probably around that time, 2003, um, mm-hmm. when I was uh, going to Sac- or San Francisco State. Um, and it was at the Warfield. It was amazing. What I mean, it was one of the best shows ever. I mean, just seeing that Green Day open for Green Day and uh i mean in uh-huh. what for them is a tiny venue you know i mean it was so cool yeah that's awesome and yeah. the network like there's so many fog machines you could uh-huh. and, and they are like in costumes and everything and so you couldn't see shit right um but it was uh i mean it was incredible it was just incredible like when you say costumes i'm, I'm thinking I mean, they're just in disguises, right? They're not in their normal green, you know, you can't see their faces or anything. Right, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. At all, but, yeah. but it's, you know, the guys from Green Day, so. Yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I think just being at a concert venue is pretty yeah, awesome yeah. right now. Yeah. Just any be, concert. That would be pretty great, yes. Totally. One day, it'll, it'll be back one day, so. Hopefully. I do so um there is going to be a David Bowie live stream tribute concert uh it's going to take place 
Um, on would have been the late rocker's 74th birthday uh, this coming January. Wow. It's been. Damn, dude. It's been a while since uh, Bowie passed. Yeah, it's, it feels yeah. so recent, but yeah. It, it was does. Like... It really does. Yeah. Um, so organized by the music's, uh, organized by the music icon's pianist, Mike Garson, uh, quote, a Bowie celebration just for one day, unquote, will take place on January the 8th, 2021, assuming 2021 happens. Yeah, right. I know, we, we're not there yet, so. Uh, you know, we're still waiting for the alien invasion. We are. It's been we're still waiting for like that meteor that's supposed to hit us. Uh, yeah, 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 Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, was talking about that right so yeah yeah uh, the murder hornets i think they're a real thing they're gonna make a huge comeback yep yep they, I, they, I mean they're gonna actually do some murdering yeah we might not make it you're right yeah okay anyway if we do it's gonna be awesome because one of the first things we get to do is do this thing on january 8th uh so it's gonna feature a mix of special guests alongside former members of the singers touring lineups throughout the years so david's music means so much to so many says garson uh that we can't wait to perform a beautiful set list of some of his most memorable hit songs along with a collection of deep cut bowie gems mm. and we would love for you to join in on the whole celebration so get this the concert will feature performances from none other than trent reznor okay nice Terry farrell okay a little jane's addiction joe elliott okay of Def Leppard, ian atsbury of the cult Billy Corgan, Gavin Rossdale of Bush, Bush, and many other guests, as oh. well as dozens of Bowie album band members spanning David's career from his 1969 self-titled album to 2016's Black Star, including Black David's Star. yeah complete final touring band of Mike Garson, Gail and Dorsey, Earl Slick, you're gonna read uh, all these names, right? I am, yeah. Sterling Campbell, Gary Leonard, and Catherine Russell, along with Zach Alford, Carla. <laughs> you know what? I'm reading these names because I can pronounce them. I'm like so okay. excited. I haven't gotten to a name yet that is uh, what? Anyway, I'm gonna stop there. There's a whole shitload of people. So one more on the list that I want to call out: Holly Palmer, uh, who was at the David. She played at the David Bowie celebration that we went to in 2016 and uh and she the was blonde on, one mm -hmm, yep and uh she was on concert pipeline yes i remember her yes yeah she was really sweet so yeah 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 uh, i don't see anything about um uh david bowie's friend actor friend oh um uh, yeah it was, <laughs> he was like, there he was there right too at the yeah at the thing yeah, I don't think he's doing that anymore, so. Okay, anyway, so um, the virtual event follows a planned 2020 Bowie celebration tour that was shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic. This is gonna be cool, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I'm, I'm in, man, I'll do this. Good, good deal. I got one more story for you, Jens. Is it about our friend Dave Grohl? 
It is. It is. Ah, yes. Well, what yeah. do you got for us? Dave Grohl and his mother uh, were discussing teaching with Joe Biden uh, in a new campaign video. Hmm. Teaching. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So um, they've, they took part in an interview about the power of education with Joe Biden's wife, Joe, uh, mm-hmm. who the Foo Fighters man is endorsing ahead of the presidential election. I don't know if you knew we had an election coming up. Did um, you say Joe Biden's wife is jo- his name, Joe? Jill. Jill. It's Jill and yeah. Joe? Yes. Is that why they got married? Just That's to make why, things simple, yeah. like uh-huh. your name starts with a J, my name starts with a J. That's the way to we do should, it. Just we like should shag. Joe and Jackie. They, uh, <laughs> That's probably why they shagged. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying on. Moving along. All right. <laughs> uh, Dave said, I was raised by a school teacher, so I know as a child how hard my mother worked, not just at the school, but within the community. Um, and he, the future first lady possibly, uh, then floats the idea that teachers are uh, the rock stars, uh, which is a point that Grohl is happy to agree with, saying, I've always felt that way. Uh, uh-huh. They discuss, discuss problems facing teachers in the U.S. Teacher salaries one, are one thing. That's always been uh, the case, and nobody's listened for a long time. Uh, uh-huh. Dave, Dave's mom st- uh, stated she taught in Northern Virginia and single parent raising kids. Uh, she couldn't afford to live there on her pay. So she had to work two or three jobs at the same time. Um, and Dave uh, put a bunch of praise on his mom saying every morning I'd wake up in our little house in Springfield, Virginia. And my mother was always ready to get us in the car and get us to school, knowing that she had a full day ahead of her with hundreds of children that relied on her to help them move forward in life. And every night after dinner, I would watch my mother at the desk in the living room. I watched my mother make plans to help uh, people my entire life. Uh, so uh, there's more, but you can check out that interview uh, as well on, online. So. Uh, good stuff that's awesome yeah that's yeah. totally cool yeah yeah well Jens, that's our show for today that is that is that is you know what I, maybe do you know anything about this i was just uh, flipping through some dave grohl stuff did you come across this thing about uh foo fighters have made their david bowie let's dance album um i think we talked about that one did we talk about um, that already yeah yeah, I think... Uh, like last week? I mean, probably a month or more ago, so... All right. I think so. I wasn't sure if this was like a follow-up thing, but I don't think it is. Again, anyway, yeah. carry on. That was our show, yes. Uh, and it's funny that we had a show uh, so soon after our last show because I remember you saying very distinctly, Steve, there was nothing coming down the pipeline. <laughs> and I told you, yeah, well, last time you said that, you phone me up the next day and you're like, I got three interviews. I what know. happens this week? Same it's, thing. Train keeps rolling. So, uh, rolling, yeah. Rolling. Next week on the podcast, we have an artist named Andy Watts. Um, he's a blues artist. And, uh, and so going to get to talk to him. Um, be an interesting interview. Um, and then we also have uh, an interview lined up with, uh, who, who else I have? I don't know. I got I got one other one lined up, and I don't. I just don't have it handy. I did, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Animal Weapon. <laughs> ah. uh, you're called Animal Weapon. So, uh, yes, like you said, there are more coming. Uh, there's also possibly a big one um, around the corner, but that one's still in the works, so I won't tease it. So no spoilers. The show carries on, 
and, uh, uh, and we're going to keep bringing it. So for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jan Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time. See ya.